I spent the first many years of my ministry working with children and youth, and during that time, I heard a common refrain. It's not fair. Whether it was about who got to light the candles, or who got picked first for the game, or who got the coveted part in the Christmas pageant. It seems that one of the first things you learn as a kid is about fairness. Small children quickly internalize notions of fairness. She has more candy than me. Why does he get to stay up later than I do? It's not fair. And let's be clear, it's not just children. We grown-ups also have a sense of what's fair and what's not. Why does that person have more money and success than me? Why did I get sick and they didn't? Why do they get to do that fun thing and I don't? It's just, as adults, we've been taught not to say those things out loud. We hear the voices of our parents in our heads saying in frustration, life isn't fair. But deep down, many of us still have this internal sense that it should be. Life should be fair, and we feel frustrated when it doesn't seem to be. And if we're talking about fairness in a sense that everyone should have enough to eat and a safe place to live, everyone should be allowed to live and love safely, everyone should be able to have meaningful work and access to health care, everyone should be able to worship freely and without fear. If that's what we mean by fairness, then we're at least headed in the right direction. And to look around at the world rattles us because we see that it is indeed not fair. The question is, what do we do with this? Do we rail against it while also holding that it's unchangeable? Do we love that it's not fair because it benefits us? Do we think that the world shouldn't be fair? Do we try to change the world so it's more fair? Depending on where you sit on the fairness scale, are you the one with more candy or money or security? You might look around and excuse the unfairness that you see. Or if you are the one with the smaller portion, you might be frustrated or worse. And it's impossible not to mention the notions of fairness that are currently being wielded and weaponized by some in power to prevent others from having access, to children from being able to play sports, to other folks having a shot at getting into college. I want to ask, what do you believe about fairness? What does your faith tell you about fairness? What does it mean for something to be fair? And beyond all of that, is fairness even what we, as followers of Jesus, should be aiming for. Our scripture text today from the Gospel of Matthew seems on the surface to be about issues of fairness. But is that really all that's going on in this story? When we read this passage from Matthew from our viewpoints as people living in a Western society where capitalism feels like an unbreakable law, this passage probably brings up a lot of feelings in us. A man owns a field, and he needs workers to work that field, and so he goes out to where the day laborers are waiting to be hired. He offers them a good and fair wage for a day's work, and they go and start to work. Throughout the day, he keeps going back to the place where the laborers are waiting, and each time he does, he finds still more who are looking for work, and each time he offers to pay them a fair wage, and they get to work.
At the end of the day, some have worked nine hours and some have worked only one or two. And the owner has his manager pay everyone, but look at what he does. He tells the manager to start with the folks who were hired last. So the manager starts with the people who only worked one or two hours, and he pays them the daily wage. He goes on down the line doing the same. And the people who were hired first thing in the morning are watching all of this. And maybe they're beginning to think, great, we're going to get a bonus. We worked all day. Surely we're going to get paid more. And yet when the manager comes, he pays them the same daily wage. Now hearing this, we immediately think it's not fair. They should have gotten more money. It's not right that this landowner cheated them. And some of the people who worked all day did complain. We dealt with the heat and the sun. We worked hard all day long. And this is how you repay us. The landowner comes back at them and says, we agreed to this rate. I offered you a day's wages for a day's work, and you agreed. I didn't change the terms of our agreement. But his argument insults our notions of fairness. The ideas that say, if you work more, you should get paid more. The owner's final word is, it's my money. I'm allowed to be generous. Take your pay and go. To make matters even more confusing, this whole story is one that's being told by Jesus as a teaching moment. He has a series of talks where he starts by saying, the kingdom of God is like. And then he goes on to tell a complicated story. And for this one, he ends with, the last will be first and the first will be last. What is Jesus trying to say? If we hold on to our notions of fairness, of the way the world works, of capitalism, then this story is of a God who is rather capricious, and we are all under God's whims. God will make a deal with one group of people and a different deal with another, and we just have to take it because we're not God and we don't have the power. But I think Jesus is getting at something that goes well beyond notions of fairness and even beyond notions of economics. Let's think about this owner for a moment. Why would he keep going back out to the site where the laborers gather if he already had all of the workers he needed? You'd think he'd want to pay as few people as possible. That would be the smart choice to make from a financial perspective. But instead of just taking the first court, that first count of workers, he keeps going back. And not just once, but over and over again. And each time, he takes whoever is present. Now, we don't know why some of the workers come to the hiring place later in the day. We can make all sorts of judgments about that. And from a fairness perspective, we probably do. They overslept. They were hungover. They were lazy. But maybe they were injured or had kids to get off to school, or were caring for a sick family member. Maybe they had to come from several villages away. Maybe they took another job in the morning, but there wasn't enough work to last all day. Jesus doesn't add those details, and I think it's because to him they don't matter. It doesn't matter to Jesus if these workers are deserving of the work. It just matters that the work is offered. Then the owner has another choice to make. He could easily pay the people he hired last less. He could simply pay them for the hours they worked. That would be the smartest financial decision and the fairest treatment to all involved, but he doesn't. He pays them the full amount. And he seems to do it as a teaching moment. 
And we can speculate again about the workers who were hired first. Maybe they pushed their way to the front of the line. Maybe they were the youngest and strongest, and so they were able to get there earliest. Maybe they had no family responsibilities. Again, we don't get the details. But this entire story seems to be saying one thing. The kingdom of God isn't about fairness. Now, wait a second, you might say. That's not right. God should be fair. But Jesus is actually going much further than notions of fairness. He's saying that God is extravagantly generous, especially to the people who are most in need. God will go out over and over again to find the people who are lost, the people who are waiting, the people who feel like they have no hope, the people who are just trying to make ends meet, the ones who are longing for a place that honors their skills, the ones who are trying to take care of their families. God will go out over and over again to challenge our notions of fairness, to turn upside down our sense of fairness, to say over and over again that the kingdom of God puts the most marginalized at the front of the line. And the challenge here is for us. Can we do that? Will we join God in that work? Can we set aside our notions of what's fair, of what we deserve, and instead give thanks for the extravagant God? Can we set aside our notions of what we want in order to center the voices of those on the margins? Can we own up to the fact that the world looks very different for a lot of people? And this isn't to say that our problems or concerns don't matter, that our labor goes unnoticed, but it is to say that when our needs are already met and we want to deprive others of having their needs met, then we are out of alignment with the kingdom of God and the work of Jesus. It's saying that to pursue fairness at all costs overlooks the fact that we don't all start from the same place to begin with. Jesus' challenge hits differently depending on where you stand in the social structure. If you're a landowner, this story is going to sound much different than if you're the type of laborer who always gets hired last. If you're the worker who worked all day, you're going to hear something else. The kingdom of God disrupts all of our notions. It challenges us to think differently, to move from ideas of scarcity to ones of abundance, to stop keeping a tally of who gets what, and instead look toward a generous overflowing where everyone gets what they most need. And sometimes what we most need isn't more of something, it's instead a shift in our perspective or an invitation to be a part of something bigger. Sometimes what the landowner needs to hear is that they should give away more of their money and care more about justice than their bottom line. Sometimes what the worker who arrives early needs to hear is that they are and have enough. Sometimes what the worker hired last needs to hear is that it will be okay. They will be cared for and treated with respect. The kingdom of God is centered on those on the margins, which means that sometimes it looks off-center or completely wrong depending on where we sit. The challenge is are we willing to reorient our thinking and bring ourselves into alignment with the kingdom of God? Are we willing to discard notions of fairness so that we can instead pursue notions of rightness and justice? Are we willing to be a part of the disruptive, 
generous, unfair kingdom of God. Because that is and remains the invitation to follow a God who is wildly unfair, which doesn't mean that God is capricious, but that God's generosity will continue to surprise us if we'll let it. We're invited to throw out our notions of fairness and instead revel in generosity. We are called to center always the most marginalized. We are asked to set aside our fears of scarcity and believe that if we center the most marginalized, not only will there be enough for all of us, there will be more than enough. Can you imagine a world where churches were known for their generosity? where followers of Jesus were known above all else for how extravagant our welcome is, where we live and act out the abundance that we believe in, what would change in our churches? What would change in our neighborhoods and our cities? How would the world be different? If we do this, we will find a new purpose. We will find a new beauty that surpasses anything we can imagine a new community that bursts forth with joy and celebration. May it be so. Amen.